When I went to his house, I stood by the door. He said I stole his money. I told him I didn't. And if I did, why didn't he arrest me or hold me accountable? Then he dragged me inside and removed a knife. He said if I talked, he would kill me. He, he raped me. This is Vestiges of Violence, a weekly podcast about personal stories of violence victims. For Human Angle, I am Hamida. That voice you heard at the start of this episode, that was 14-year-old Hawa. She recently narrated her experience to Aisha Tijani Jitta, one of our accountability fellows. She is from the Marite area of Borno State in Nigeria. Despite her young age, she has gone through untold hardship, some of it because of the depravity of one man, some of it because of the failings of a system meant to protect her. Hawa's father was slaughtered by Boko Haram terrorists in their village. She and her family ran for their safety because her mother later remarried and had little time for her. She decided to move to a camp for internally displaced people in Maiduguri, where her grandmother stays. She started going to school regularly. She was almost done with her basic education and life was bearable. Well, until... One day when I had gone to school, my neighbor Abba met my grandmother and asked where I was. She told him I went to school. He told my grandmother when I returned, I should please come, that he had an errand for me. When I got back, I wanted to eat and change my clothes before going, but my grandmother insisted I went immediately, because he came and met her not once, but twice, to ask if I had come back from school. When I went to the house, I stood by the door. He said I stole his money. I told him I didn't, and if I did, why didn't he arrest me or hold me accountable? He then dragged me inside and removed a knife. He said if I talked, he would kill me. He, he raped me. When Hawa went back home, her grandmother, Falmata Imam, asked what happened, but she was too scared to tell her. She eventually opened up after Falmata, sure that something was off insisted and threatened to beat her. Her grandma went to see Abba. His response was he didn't do it knowingly. It was Satan, he said. He begged and asked her not to tell anyone, promising to take up the responsibility of raising the child. He fulfilled his promise, but only for a while. He later stopped helping. Hawa eventually married and this angered her rapist. He disclosed what happened between them and this led to Hawa's husband divorcing her and sending her packing a month into the marriage. That was not all. Abba started taunting Hawa about it. Every day when he passed by our tent, he abused us and rained all sorts of insults on us. My grandmother decided to report the incident to security agents at Jerry Police Station, 
and he was jailed for some time, but he was released not long after. We took the case to Wulari Court and the High Court, where they gave my grandmother the number of the Human Rights Commission. She later visited their office along Giwa Barracks to narrate the incident. Despite her commitment to getting justice for her granddaughter, like for many other victims of sexual violence in the region, Falmata has repeatedly met dead ends. I have been following up on the case to ensure justice gets served, but it came to a situation where I did not have enough money to transport myself to the police station or to the human rights office. I was disturbed by her condition. I later fell sick for three months and developed high blood pressure. Nobody stood up for her and her case was closed. Displaced people may have already lost far too much to the violence in northeastern Nigeria. Their loved ones, their homes, their livelihoods, their sanity. But that does not immune them from the schemings of sexual predators. Many times, these abusers are people they know or who interact with them regularly. In the case of Adama, a 22-year-old displaced woman from Kamborungala, she was raped by someone close to home, her cousin. My parents separated when I was a child. My father migrated from Chad and left us, and my mother lives in Kanu where she sells food. After the terrorists attacked Gomboru, I escaped and moved in with my uncle at the Muna IDP camp in Medugri. It was there his son raped me. I did not get justice. Instead, I was taken to live with my father's relative at Umgwan's Amia. As if the sexual violence itself is not bad enough, victims usually have to put up with a life of discrimination and difficulty afterwards. Members of the community at Angwan Samia stigmatize and mock Adama. Because of this, she hardly leaves the house. She only goes out twice a week to attend an Islamic school for married women. For Hawa, she dropped out of school because of the pregnancy and also only attends an Islamic school known locally as Makarantan Alu. There is no happy ending. The rapist continues to insult her whenever he sees her outside her tent at the displacement camp. This episode of Vestiges of Violence was produced with support from the MacArthur Foundation. The story was reported by Aisha Tijani Jitta, a 2023 Human Angle Accountability Fellow and edited by Kunle Adebajo, produced by Atahiro Jibrin. A quick note about our voice acting. All dramatizations in this episode are based on actual interviews. Voice acting by Hawa Bukar, Rokaya Said, and Khadija Gidado. The senior producer is Anthony Asamuta. The executive producer is Ahmed Salikida. For more stories, go to humananglemedia.com and find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts. I am Hamida.